Aloha, Bernard Lyles from Chicago, Illinois. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. Trying to beat the heat. I don't have to come to Hawaii for no heat. Wait, wait, what now? What's the temp what's the temperature in Chicago today? Uh we're running 90. Holy smokes. Yeah, and it's gonna be 90 for the next seven-day forecast at least. Yeah. Oh man, I I that's the one thing I don't miss is that. To be honest, the heat and humidity in Chicago, and I went to school in Minnesota, nothing well, compared to here. Okay. So I don't have to come to Hawaii, so I'm, I'm good. <laughs> You're in Hawaii. <laughs> right. Virtually. <laughs> so I met you, uh, God, how many years ago? Five, six years ago? Um, I thought we met when I came to Iron Man down there in 98. Yeah, that was 98 then. Yeah, that's, it yeah. seems like yesterday. Yeah, that was 21 years ago now, Joe. Oh, <laughs> well, that means you were like 14 when you did it, right? Yeah, I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> and then not only doing the race, you then came back to help out at the race and stuff. And yeah. and because you're from Chicago where I grew up, but, you know, we've always had that connection. And right. I, th I thought this would be a good time. Black Lives Matter, dude. You know, this is oh, nothing... Man. This is nothing that needs to be sugarcoated or covered up or uh, talking in terms of, uh, of uh, what do they call them, dog whistle terms, you know, where, oh, well, you say one thing and then you know, no, it's just, uh, right. it's, it's bothered me for a lot of years and stuff, but we'll get it, we'll get into that. Where were you, where'd you go to uh, elementary school? You were born and raised in Chicago. Where'd you go to elementary school? I lived on the west side. So I went to um, Victor F. Lawson Elementary School. And then there's another one, um, um, Lathrop School. I don't know what Lathrop was named after, but it was built right after, I went there, I was in fifth and sixth grade. So oh, okay. it was a brand new school. I got a chance to transfer from Lawson over to Lathrop. Yeah, I was St. Mark's uh, Catholic Elementary School. Okay, okay. I think they're still in business. Uh, a, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of those schools are gone, man. You haven't uh, well, Let's talk high school. My high school no longer exists. Gordon Tech High School. Right, it's, it's not here anymore. Uh, I went Where'd to Farragut. Where? Farragut. Farragut. Oh, okay. Yeah, Farragut over on Twenty Third and Christiana. Yeah. yeah. So um, did that. And then, uh, you know, went to uh, city colleges. I went to uh, Kennedy King College where I studied automotives and I learned that and got an associate degree in that and went on a little further in the city college system, learned some more automotive, learned how to paint cars. And, and then they gave me a job. <laughs> oh, the school did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my instructor. In fact, you know, I, I went and got certified in automotive and he was at the table. He had a job already. But when I went to do the ASC certification, he was there. So we sat side by side taking the ASC test. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. So he, you know, he, he made sure I got the job to assist him when the, uh, the other guy left. Yeah, smart guy. Smart yeah. guy. Mm -hmm. So worked for City Colleges and then I went to uh, Chicago State is where yeah. I ended up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, let's see. What Chicago State used to be called? Uh, 
Chicago Teachers College. Chicago Teacher Teachers College and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went. To, I went to. I went Gordon Tech. Graduated Gordon Tech, and then like like an idiot, I got into uh, Loyola University, which that that didn't last very long because that was uh, def definitely out of my price range. Uh, <laughs> plus, I still remember. Calculus class at like six thirty a.m. in the morning was just like, ah, oh, wasn't ready for that brain freeze. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have never been that smart. I, I it was nice being in a big school though because you know I'd always kind of been in small schools, and you know my neighborhoods growing up, uh, up like at uh, on Mozart Street and stuff. Small, we were. It was basically. Let's see, Puerto Rican, Polish, and Italian. Right. And what was your, what are your name? You were, hum, you were in Humboldt Park. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. Yep, in Humboldt Park area. I grew up in Lawndale. And then oh. um, Lawndale, um, and then we moved to um, Inglewood. Oh really, wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's what my younger brothers and sisters, they all grew up and went to Inglewood High School and stuff like that. And did, you, I, did you play? Did you play sports in high school? No, man. I barely made it through high school. So <laughs> at Farragut, man, those gangs were up there. Ah, uh, true. To, you have to get yeah. into the building on time because the gangs, they, you know, they, like the vice, they were the vice lords. They was, yeah. man, they was there. Right after you, you know, nine o'clock, they were hanging out on the outside of the school. And they were recruiting, and you know, yeah. so you had to get up in there. And when it's time to go, you got to get out of the, get out the side door or something. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about, about the vice lords and stuff. Yeah, it was and, rough, man. Oh well, that yeah, Farragut, Carver, uh, high yep. school, Harrison, Harrison, yeah, Marshall. My my older brothers went to Marshall. Marshall, yeah, yeah. They were famous in basketball and all that good stuff. And uh, to be honest, now that we're talking about it, I still remember Dusable High School. Yeah, Dusable is still there. I, I remember the cheer because when we, we would play them every once in a while, you know, even though we were Catholic, it was like, hey, do Sable. <laughs> Yo, that sounded like a taunt to me. <laughs> no, that was them cheering. Oh, okay. That was their cheers. I still remember their cheers and stuff. We actually, uh, Gordon Tech played Carver um, in the Catholic league played the public league one year and uh uh cassie russell was on carver's team then okay <laughs> that shows you how old i am yeah <laughs> we want to talk age today <laughs> but yeah in my neighborhood we had uh you know local like russian gangs and stuff like that but you know there wasn't a whole lot of stuff going on as far as you know i could walk to school and everything Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't have, when I got out of school, it was just walk to school or ride my bike. Did, were you riding bikes back then when you were growing up? No, no, no. If we did, we didn't ride them to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you had a bike, you were lucky to get a bike. My, I got my first bike. I worked with my auntie up, and she would pay me, you know, $5, $7 a week or something like that. They empty garbage paint around the house and stuff. And I took her up to Sears one day because I saw these bikes at Sears, man. I wanted one so bad. And she wouldn't get it for me then, but she made me save my money that she paid me. And eventually we went up there to get that bike. And it was a, a it was a racer. So all the other boys had the bikes with the with the monkey handlebars and all yeah. that stuff. 
I had a racer and, and, and Joe, I, I run them all the time. They had to put feet <laughs> on there. <laughs> but you also had to protect your bike, man, because somebody else liked the bike more than you do. It was on yeah. my, we lived on the first floor, so it was on the, on the little balcony. I came out one morning, it was gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I had a Schwinn and I think it was like, it was rare because it was like a middleweight, but we got it at Sears and yeah, yeah it, same thing with me. It got stolen. I still remember like a year afterwards seeing a kid on my bike because it was a green, which was unusual, <laughs> riding on the street. And it was like, ah, <laughs> that growing up in the big city. Yeah. Somebody like the bike better than you do. <laughs> and let's see, I had I had a newspaper route. So uh, you you helped your family and stuff when you were growing up and stuff to make money. Yeah, I had a paper route too. I had a paper route. Uh, we used to, uh, Chicago Daily News. That's the same one I delivered. Yeah, in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> My brothers, they were did the Sun Times in the morning. They did the uh, Sun Times. And you might have the Defender, the black newspaper. You might have that one. So they did that in the morning, and we did the Daily News in the afternoon. And I remember the oh, the Daily News. Yep, I did same same paper. They're no longer in business. Oh, they went they went early. They went yeah, early. But I remember rolling up and had one of them bags in front of my bike. You know, and roll up the newspapers, put them in, and then go on the bike and toss toss the paper. You know what we had, Joe? We had those little the, uh, baby buggies. Baby oh, buggies okay. They had the, uh, the, 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 the cover over there in case to keep the baby from getting wet. <laughs> the guy that owned the paper stand had about 20 of those things. Everybody had one. <laughs> Hit those routes <laughs> with those papers, those buggies in. I mean, the buggy with all the papers in there. Oh. That's what he did it. That's, yep. that's, 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 a way, that's one way to do it, yeah. Yeah, he, he did it. And the guy, you know, if you didn't deliver right or something went wrong, he wouldn't pay you that week. <laughs> oh, if you got a complaint. Yeah, he wouldn't pay. <laughs> Where's my paper? How come my paper ain't here? Right. So. Oh, I miss newsstands too. You know, I, now that, you know, that you brought it up and stuff, I remember newsstands. There used to be a newsstand, a news store, a little store across the street from where my dentist was. And it was the first place I tried to buy cigarettes. I thought I'd be cool. And oh. I'd, buy, I'd buy cigarettes. And I walked in there and I bought like three other things. And then, of course, said, can I have a pack of cools, please? And the guy never blinked, got everything bagged up, took my money. And he said, come back in about 10 years and I'll sell you cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't get the cools that day? Uh, no, no. Heck no. <laughs> you shouldn't have said please. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it'd be cool to get cools, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. How many so yeah, how many brothers, sisters did you uh, did you have? Do you have Okay. I have um ten brothers and four sisters. Oh, big family. Same parents? Yeah, same parents, all of them. Daddy owns up to all of them. <laughs> God love your mom, I tell you. Yeah, we should have a new little brother every year, Joe. That's about every year. Oh, we get lucky one year, we get a sister. 
Oh, perfect. Yeah, and then one year, uh, mom said, you know, after another series of boys, the doctor said, oh, Ms. Lyle, this is a girl. Then he said, hold up, oh, oh, wait a minute, something else in there, and a boy. Twins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get another, you get a boy to go. <laughs> bargain, bargain, yep. Yeah, so one set of twins, but... So yeah. where where do you fall in the age line there? Are you oldest? I'm, I guess I'm I'm the fourth oldest. Oh, okay. So it was a uh, three, and then my mother's two before been tied. Yeah. Yeah. Until five years, I broke them loose or something. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't keep you out. <laughs> right. From coming out. So, so yeah, my my brother over me like almost five years. He's a baby for five years before I came along. Oh wow! You know, well, I took we'll get... a lot of, you know I took a lot of punishment, Joe. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, I had I only I had one sister. Is all I had. She's four years older, so I took a lot of punishment from her too. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get away with nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, when, were you guys in a house, an apartment? Because I was in. We were in a uh, two-bedroom apartment when I was growing up. Oh, uh, we were always in apartments, Joe. And then, you know, it was so many of us, man. It'd be four of us in a bed. Two at the top, two at the bottom. <laughs> you know what bunk beds are then. Yeah, that's what I was oh, raised yeah. in. Oh, yeah. And then the girls, you know, girls had their a room. So the boys all, you know, between two bedrooms, all the boys. Did you guys do the cooking? Because I ended up doing the cooking a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Mom trained us how to cook because, man, she had, you know, she had a job on her hands every day. She was cooking and washing clothes and ironing and getting us ready. So she trained us too. So I'm pretty decent cook. I can, I can get things done without burning up everything. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Because uh, my mom had, uh, she worked for General Electric in the billing department, and Dad was a butter and egg salesman. He was a truck driver. And okay. they were gone, you know, and it was like, first one who gets home, okay, you better know how to start dinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and, I wish I could do that now. Oh, yeah. That microwave, right? Yeah, or McDonald's or something. Yeah, oh, yeah that too. <laughs> so, did, so, growing up, did you eat a lot of, uh, remember White Castle? Yeah, that probably was the only one because, you know, um, we were growing up, we were, we were poor, Joe, so we were, you know, eat at home or when we finally, they, they built a uh, Burger King over on Kedzie and the 27th and Kedzie, they built a Burger King over there. And man, that was a treat. We had got a chance to go to Burger King one time. <laughs> My yeah, for, us, day. for us, it was there. There was a White Castle at Chicago and Grand, I think. Uh, could have been. Yeah. But I know there's a North Avenue up there. Yeah. North Avenue and um, Cicero, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few of them. So, but yeah, again, we Where'd went with parents one time to a White Castle. And I don't know exactly where it was at, but Hamburg. Where, where, what, what beaches did you hang out at? Uh, when I got a chance to go, to, we went to 12th Street Beach, right behind the museum in Sanford, I mean, uh, the Field Museum, yeah. uh, uh, Adler Planetarium, 12th Street Beach back there. But when I got to be a teenager and I have transportation, like I have a motorcycle, 
Oh, we used to go to uh, Rainbow Beach up on 77 and Lakeshore Drive. We used to go over there and hang out. And, you know, as teenagers, we go hang out with the, you know, the, the hippie groups and all that stuff, man. And they, they had everything. <laughs> all, the party, all the party stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can still remember growing up, I used to go on, um, uh, it was Grand Avenue, and there was a, you know, a Mexican community over there, and I could always get, uh, not cigarettes, <laughs> but other things to smoke Okay, uh, by hanging out there in the neighborhood. And I was like, right. oh. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> oh, and we, we, yeah, we used to take, I still remember taking Grand Avenue bus down to the lakeshore, and uh, we would walk from Grand Avenue Beach to Oak Street Beach. Is Oak yeah. Street Beach still there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's big, yeah. It's, that's the place to be. And in fact, right now, Oak Street Beach is being flooded. The water level is real high. <laughs> the, lake, the lake is covering up the bike path in most spots, and they have a beach, they have concessions, and uh, food shops down there on Oak Street Beach, but now they, you know, they're flooded. Well, they had nothing down there except beach back in a while. That was, you know, let's see, uh, that was only <laughs> 50 years ago. Yeah, they have everything bike rentals and food concessions, and it, they have everything. So, but now that it's flooded, all that is on hold right now. In fact, the lakefront just opened back up. The mayor had it closed down because of COVID. And um, it just opened up last week, so. Yeah, I saw, you know, I've been seeing your posts and stuff of you out there and everything. So was everything totally shut down for a while? Well, they had, when it, when it, when it's supposed to be the peak of everything, yeah, everybody was kind of locked down, you know, the mayor's, you know, stay in the house, stay locked down. The governor was on TV every day and it was, it, it was, it was real serious. So I took it serious. I get out, but you know, early in the morning, I'm out five, six o'clock in the morning, get mine and get back before people get out. And I'm at home and I lock down for the rest of the day. But uh, for the uh, April and May, June, yeah, it, it was pretty tight, closed down pretty tight. And, and every, everybody was kind of behaving and stuff? Somewhat, yeah, they were, they were holding on. But uh, again, you know, people um, gotta eat. So, you know, they're in the stores and, you know, you got to be where you got to have your mask and they start letting seniors in at six o'clock. So the seniors, because, you know, they, they had a hard time getting in, getting things to eat, stuff like that. So uh, you got to get your food and get back in and lock down. Um, yeah, it was real similar here. I mean, they uh, some of the stores started opening up uh, for people like me. Uh, from the, the first hour of their opening hours were for seniors and yeah. stuff. And because we're so spread out, you know, the big island's pretty big, you know, as far as in relation to how many people, you know, there was never any crowds anywhere. To be honest, most people back then really weren't wearing masks unless you went to a store or unless you were, um, you know, most of us, we just didn't go out. I mean, we stuck around and just kind of, kind of behaved, you know, but. Uh, so it was not really bad on the island. You know, we're one of the best spots right now, I guess, where there's only been a few cases of people that have passed away. There's been less than a thousand people that have been detected. 
and our our crunch times coming up uh, August first is when they're going to start opening it up to mainland people coming. Oh, okay. Uh, no, in fact, we couldn't even fly inner island. No. Oh, okay. Keep that stuff to yourself. Huh? <laughs> come over here with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good though. I was going to ask that next. Can I come over there yet? <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, uh, they still have, uh, right now, they still have the 14-day quarantine. So if you come here, you got to be quarantined for 14 days. And then uh, in August, what they're going to do is you have to be pre-tested, test negative uh, for COVID, and then come here. And then I think there's like a five-day be tested again within five days of when you're here and stuff. But, oh, uh, Wow. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're being tight. They've gotten, uh, the government here has gotten a lot of criticism because, you know, our business is gone. You know, um, we're, we're a tourist-based yeah. tourist economy and there's no tourists. Right. And then if you get some, then they got to go through all that to, to be there. And then uh, because you're, you know, you're in a big city and stuff, you know, there's a lot of still service workers, you know, people that are working at McDonald's, people that are working at gas stations, people that are working and stuff. We don't have a lot of that here. And in fact, the one, the one minor breakout that we had of cases was at the McDonald's down by uh, Target down in Kona there, where it was a yeah. family. I know where that's at. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, you know, as far as in Chicago, so did you notice when you, I mean, you've been getting out and stuff. Did you notice that there was less cars or did you notice that there was less cars and more people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the highway is wide open, Joe. <laughs> yeah, because once, they, uh, once the mayor and the governor had put lockdown in place, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're working from home. They don't, you know, lost their job or whatever the case is. There's no traffic on rush hour. So if you want to go somewhere, highway is wide open. I remember going out to my see my sister out in Plainfield. You know, Plainfield, that's a good ride out of I-55. It was wide open. You can go fast as you want to. And some people were going fast. Yeah, they, I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing 75, 80. They come past me like, hey, what you slow poke? Get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of notice people doing a record time. People on Queen. <laughs> Queen K were going a little bit, no, they were actually going slower because they're no more noticeable. They were afraid to get pulled over. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, in fact, on that same trip, I was coming back, and again, coming back was wide open. But when I got down, almost downtown, Joe, almost to the lakefront, it was really wide open. It was like, wow, this is better than a holiday. You know, some holidays, it's just clear. This is even clear. It looked like you're in some other town or some other state or something. I'm like, wow! I thought I was doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, yeah. I, where, where really? I turned, made the wrong turn. Wait a minute. Yeah, good thing I wasn't buzzed. I'm was like, where am I at? <laughs> What's how much is gas uh, there now? Uh, I actually I go to Indiana. I haven't <laughs> bought gas in the city in years. <laughs> I'm close enough. I can go across the line, and it's uh, averaging like two twelve for regular right now. It went up, yeah, but it went down to a um, dollar and dollar sixty seven or something like that. 
couple of months ago. It was back at dollar sixty-seven. Yeah, because wow. you know those guys, they ain't selling gas. Nobody's bad. Nobody going nowhere. So it was a competition, I guess, between them, and they were see who can go the lowest. I mean, they're they're actually charging us what it should be charged. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's it. Was kind of the same way on the Big Island here. You know, you said you drive to Indiana. I drive to Kona because at Costco the gas is two fifty nine, two sixty nine. Okay. Up here, up here in Waimea, three ninety nine, and it has not dropped a penny. Woo, woo! I don't want none of that gas. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, is transportation cost that much to get it? The gas taken down into uh, Kona, you know, or here? Yeah, it's 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 been nuts and stuff, and that because of my tenuous uh, financial situation, there is a while a period there where. Literally, all I could afford to do was drive to Kona and get gas. Wow. And that's about it. You know, hmm. My work has just gone, you know, I do computer consulting and I do fix people's computers and stuff. And I thought that would get better because, okay. you know, people are staying home doing right. a lot of remote stuff. It hasn't really gotten better because computers are cheap enough. People are just buying new computers now. Yeah, yeah. Instead of waiting on somebody to fix your computer, they still broke. Yeah, and then my uh, my bike education stuff, where I teach the, teach the kids how to ride bikes, and uh, we do bike safety. And I'm a race director for two races here. That just all went away. Hmm. Speaking of races, yeah, Ironman is gone for this year, right? Uh, yeah, they rescheduled it. For well, here's the scenario. They kept it for a while in in October, and they were hanging on to it. But then when Honu came, which was supposed to be in June, first week in June, they couldn't do they couldn't do that. So they moved Honu to um, right now. It's scheduled for Thanksgiving week in November. Okay. And they moved Iron Man to the first uh, uh, second weekend in um, February which is the same day, same weekend as Super Bowl, if there's a Super Bowl. Wow. And it's actually the original, the, when they moved uh, Iron Man from Oahu to the Big Island here, they actually did have two races that year, the year that they moved. I think it was 83, I want to say. And hmm. there was, the first one was in uh, February. And then the second one, they had, it was in October. So they had two races that year. So right okay. now it's tentatively scheduled for uh, November or uh, February. But we'll see. Chicago yeah. Marathon, has it been canceled? Not officially, but, I, you know, it, it, I, I talked with the race director three weeks ago. We, you know, personal friends. And uh, he, he almost... But, you know, they, they didn't put the word out there like that. They sent an email out, wishy-washy around, the, you know. But uh, since then, you know, Boston put out a virtual marathon. So I think they're going to do the same thing. Give you an opportunity to do virtual and, you know, because I guess trying to refund all that money. <clears throat> and, you know, people don't want to be promised a spot for next time because it might not be a next time. And all that, so they got to try to sort that out and balance out. Yeah, I mean, I think that's unfortunately been driving a lot of races. Uh, they want to keep your money, essentially. 
Yeah, they've invested that money too. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like they they would rather you do a virtual race. I'm doing I did a couple of virtual races. There's one here on the Big Island where we can run around the Big Island. It's 220 miles, and I'm about finished with that one. And then uh, the other one is, is there's a race going across Tennessee, the guy who did the Barkley Marathons and stuff. He did – and they're all benefits uh, for, like, food banks and stuff like that. You know, okay. So it's not, it's not just – yeah, yeah, people – it's a business, and people want to make money, but it's not just, you know, hey, we're just doing this to get money kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's, what was the shopping? What was the shopping situation in Chicago? Was there still plenty of groceries and stuff? Has there been a big run on toilet paper? Uh, at first, yeah, you know, toilet paper and paper towel they went first, and um, you know, uh, the uh, the looting and the uh, all that stuff took care of everything else. <laughs> Clean the shelves, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so yeah, is this- and all that stuff went first, and then you know, food is is got where you know people trying to stock up. So you had your stores that were running out of things, and you know, again, I'm in Indiana. I go to Indiana. There's no food tax and nothing. I'm so I'm early morning person. I'm in Indiana, get mine, and I'm out. And uh, they were good. I didn't have any problems. But it was a you know, I felt bad for the people that are in, in our community local. Uh, especially the seniors, because you know seniors they had a hard time and they couldn't get in those lines. And you know when they get there, it's, it's all gone. So when they did make it where seniors can come in early, man, I felt a little better. That was good. But um, once again, you know when the looting and all that disturbance came down, they tore up all the stores in the community and they you know burned some of them up. So they. they, they came where was that happening and, and stuff? Because, I mean, I mean, the only news, the news that I've seen is either out of, like, New York, uh, L.A., you know, places, places like that. But I really didn't watch oh. a whole lot of news coming out of Chicago. What neighborhoods were uh, uh, people? Pretty much all over. You know, they, they even did downtown for a little bit. They got some down on the Gold Coast. But, you know, the mayor and, and the police, they locked that down real tight, real quick. And then um, um, a couple of weeks after George Floyd, you know, when all the protests started happening, oh, man, it got dangerous in um, all the black community, west side, south side. Oh, they looted, they burned, they, you know, tore up everything. But if some some merchants, you know, they were out there protecting their stuff with guns. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then if some black-owned businesses, you know, they were there and they were like, you know, this is black-owned business, don't, don't do that. And, you know, they, 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 they managed to get back. But the first thing they took was, uh, like, the T-Mobile stores, all the, all the phone stores, electronics, all that stuff that, that went first. They were into all those. Then they started with the, the food stores. They took a real beating. And then, you know, what was really bad was some of the CVS and Walgreens. Drugs. Yeah, drugs. So, you know, now that when all that happened, the seniors, you know, again, I feel bad. The seniors can't get their medication. So it's, it's kind of embarrassing to know that all that happened right here in the community where I'm at. Oh, did you ever feel like, yeah, did you feel in danger, you know, and stuff? Uh, I actually, Joe, I stay in the house. <laughs> I watch it on TV. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I don't feel that. Only if my car stopped. <laughs> <about> early. <laughs> but, you know, just uh, from growing up in the neighborhood, you know, you know how to maneuver and how, you know, which places to go and which not to be. And, you know, at certain times of the day and certain times of the evening, certain things happen. Yeah. You don't want to be involved in that? Stay in the house. So I'm following the mayor's advice. I'm I'm in the house on lockdown. Yeah. Well, you my- know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about it since I haven't been back to a big city. I've been through big cities like LA and San Francisco and and Houston and stuff. I I guess I've lost my a lot of my street sense because I I still remember growing up, like you said, you knew which neighborhoods to go into, and it didn't. To right. be honest, it didn't matter if it was black or white. It was that neighborhood was just known to get beat up in. Oh, yeah. 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 I, mean, I, I imagine the neighborhoods you didn't want to go into were the neighborhoods I was living in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. And then, um, you know, now, you know, back when we were growing up, they used to, you know, they beat you up. Beat you up. Now, you get shot quick, man. So many shootings going on, Joe, it's terrible. Um just like last week, um, two weeks ago, 101 shootings. What? And I think it was 18 people fatal. 18 fatal. It was like 101 shootings, 18 fatal. Last week, it was a uh, little lower on the shootings, but the fatality was up eight to 18. So every weekend on, my, on, uh, on Monday morning, that's the first thing on the news, see how bad it was over the weekend in Chicago. And right now, the mayor and the police are trying to get everything in place, more officers and stuff for the July 4th holiday, which is always the most deadliest holiday. Yeah, yeah I forget that that's, that's this weekend. Yeah, the first yeah. day of July now, yeah. So I got a, I got a plan. To, you know, I got a, a friend that lives over close by the lake. I'm going to hang out and stay with her. <laughs> yeah, good, good plan. Yeah, good plan. Yeah. Yeah, I remember growing up, there were certain neighborhoods I didn't go into. I would go, to be honest, though, I would go into neighborhoods just because I guess who I am uh, that people would say don't go into. But because like I take the bus from uh, Austin Avenue to Madison Avenue down to Chicago Stadium because Loyola played in Chicago Stadium if I wanted to go see something. And I'd be the only white guy on the bus. And almost inevitably, there would be some person, somebody would come up to me, sit next to me and go and ask me, son, do you know, where, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm going to watch a basketball game, you know, play old plays. Okay, okay, don't worry, don't worry. We'll take care of you, don't worry. <laughs> right. You evidently don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, this guy is too dumb. He 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 doesn't know he shouldn't be here. Don't worry. Right, but man, yeah, I, I you know I stepped out of my boundaries a couple of times, and you know, uh, one time uh, again back back to the gang stuff in our own community. Um, I lived on Douglas and Millard, uh, Douglas and Central Park, it's thirty six hundred West, and. Uh, Douglas is 1400 South. We can go to 15th Street, but not up on 16th Street because the Vice Lord territory was up there on 16th Street, right? But, you know, you got relatives, and 
I had a paper route up that way, but the paper route was early. I was early and I was out. But um, we went up to this restaurant, Joe, on 16th and Londale, and the vice lords had a, a headquarters right across the street from there. But, you know, I'm up there with a couple friends of mine, and we in the restaurant, and uh, we make, made our order and everything. And just about time, you know, we waiting on our order and stuff. About seven or eight vice lords came in there. You can tell they had them gold times on. <laughs> Joe, I wish I could have disappeared in being there. <laughs> I know we was in big trouble, man. <laughs> so they came over and they asked us, what are we doing up here? And all this, we speaking in unison. Oh, we just can't get something to eat. <laughs> and then one of them asked one of my friends, you know what time it is? And he said, yeah. And then he looked at his watch, and the, and the boy took the watch right off his wrist. They, just, they, went and they, they took the rest of our little money that we had, <laughs> took our watches and stuff. You, you, don't, you don't argue for nothing. You let them go ahead and strip you. <laughs> And then uh, they let us go. They let us go after they took they all our beat, stuff. Didn't beat you up. No, nah, but check this out, Joe. They let us out of there. They said, make these your last cheeseburgers up here. And they let us walk out. We walked out, Joe. Soon we got to the door. Man, we hit around that corner. We going around that corner so fast. It was little, woo, I got away. So about three weeks, maybe about a month later, it's when the, when um, they, they 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 killed Martin Luther King, riots and all that stuff was going on, right? And so <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, I was with the rest of the guy. We we did some looting too. <laughs> oh no! We had us a bunch of good suits, Joe. <laughs> needed watches, yeah. <laughs> no, we had liquor and clothes and all other all other kind of stuff. But one of the guys that was with us, he you know he had sold some. Some canned goods or something to one of the vice lords. He took it up on 16, sold to some of the vice lords, right? And the lady said, Okay, you got any more? I want some more. Bring all you got. And so he come back around to where we at and he wants us to help. Come on, you know, calling all us together, go and help him to take the stuff off. I'm like, No, I'm not going back up there. I'm not, I remember. <laughs> I'm not shopping for the vice lords. I'm, I'm not going up there. So he called me all these kind of names, you know. And then you punk me and all that and, and told the rest of them, you know, they didn't want to be called upon. So they went with them and took all this stuff over to, to the vice to the to the lady's house. When they got there, Joe, they closed the door. <laughs> Somebody closed the door behind them. House full of the vice lord. House full of holy <laughs> smokes. And then the lady said, You sold me all this rotten ass stuff and I want my money back. <laughs> She ain't gave him no money, no way. <laughs> yeah. Joe, they took him out one at a time and beat him. You know the hallways had a long staircase? Yeah. I beat him all down the staircase, jumped on him and all that stuff. Beat him up so bad, man. They, they, barely, they barely made it around back to one of our friends where we all hang out at. That's where I left him at. I went home that day. The next morning, I come back around because this is where we hang out at, at one of the friends' house. And his mother said, uh, she said, did you know what happened to uh, his name? Keo, you know what happened? Keo's in, in the hospital. I'm like, no, what happened? She said, yeah, the vice lord. <laughs> yeah, beat him up so bad, man. And then uh, one of them, they shot, they shot 
two of them running. They had this like this sawed off shotgun, so they had pellets all in them. They had buckshot all in them, Joe. The other guys was all beat up and ribs broken, all this stuff like that. And I'm like, man, yeah, because they told me, you know, they told us, and I remember vividly, make this show last, and I was so scared. I didn't go. But they went, and that's what happened, man. Oh, I still remember. We used to go. I had an uncle who was a big White Sox fan. So we would go to Comiskey. Yeah. You know, we'd go to Comiskey Park, didn't think anything, park on a side street, go to the game, and then come out. And there's the, there was those uh, ball fields right next to Kaminsky, which I guess they built the new, the new stadium there. But I still remember I'm walking down the street with my dad and my uncle and my cousin, and we're looking, and I see all of a sudden there's like some dust, you know, on the, on the ball field there. And I could see this one kid getting stomped, you know, getting kicked. Oh, and I said, we should go over there. You know, we should we got to see what's going on over there. Hey, and my my dad and my uncle just said, no, go into the car and we're out of here. You know, right. don't mess in people's business. And it what was was there another gang besides the vice lords? I can't remember now. Oh, there's a lot of men. They like the Egyptian cobras and the uh, uh, uh um. I know the Vice Law is real big on our side. They had the Cobras over there on the north side and there was a few other gangs. I never got too involved in them, but uh, I had friends that were in these different gangs, uh, people like kids I went to school with. Yeah. yeah, they had quite a few gangs. Even my brother, two of my younger brothers was in one of these gangs. They called themselves the Aces. And they, okay. wore these red, they, wore, they wore these red towns. Yeah. And one time, Joe, um, one of the Aces, Shot and killed one of the vice lord kids, right? Oh man, what they do that for? Those vice lords came from up, up, man. They came from all over the city because they had chapters all over the place. Yeah. They came from all over the city, and we lived in these courtway buildings on on Douglas. They broke down doors in every one of those apartments looking for these aces. And my brother, one of them, he was at home. He hid in the dirt. He had so many clothes, man. Because there was a whole bunch of he hid up in this big pile of dirty clothes, and they bypassed that. Because they had broke up in our house. They broke up in there, and my mom, you know, and the rest of the kids were all scared. They went from first floor to third floor in every apartment from Central Park to Millard. Because the courtway building is extended all the way to the whole block. So it might have been like 30 apartments. They went through all of them. The police couldn't do nothing about it. it too many of them. And they made well, it that way that day. But police, uh, uh, you know, the the joke, you know, growing up was, you know, uh, most of my friends either became uh, priests, uh, criminals, or cops. <laughs> you know, there was nothing else. In fact, Martin, when Martin Martin Luther King was assassinated, I was actually at a friend's apartment, uh, David. This guy, I worked at ARA Services, which was a vending machine company uh, for college, you know, to make money for college and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it was over by Dunning. Remember the uh, mental institution? Way yeah. On the west side? Yeah. It, it was right there. And I was visiting David and his family and stuff. So I ended up staying because they lived off uh, Madison or Randolph. 
and they said, nope, you ain't going nowhere. You're just, you're just going to stay here for the, like the next three days because everybody was rioting and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just stayed with his family for like three days. You know, they told, you know, didn't tell my parents anything. My dad was, wasn't alive by then. Didn't tell mom or anything. I said, oh, I'm staying over at Bobby's house and stuff because ARA services, again, uh, it's Northwest side. Everybody in the plant was either black or Italian. And there was like maybe two Italians. Okay. In the, in the whole plant. And my job was to go into each aspect of the uh, company there and work for a week. I was the relief person to work for a week while somebody went on vacation and stuff. And all, everybody I worked with was black. I didn't think anything of it. They, they treated me great, you know. I got called, I got called names every once in a while, but it was more, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was more like, you know, it was just, oh, okay. I mean, you know, and I, I kind of felt, oh, gee, thanks. Thanks for calling me that. I appreciate that. (laughs) When you were, when you were uh, uh, growing up and stuff, did you ever get called names? Did you get called the N word and stuff when you went? Uh, I had a couple of incidents I got caught up in, yeah, but not much. You know, we would call each other. Well, yeah. <laughs> but that was okay. <laughs> but, you know, not really. You know, I, I didn't, wasn't in those situations where, you know, I was once or twice. But I do remember when I was in, when I was in, um, when I was in grammar school, I remember this vividly when I was in first grade, Joe. I was smart. I, you know, my brother, he's 11 months younger than me. He's smart. He's smarter than me. So he trained, he taught, taught me a lot of stuff. So when I got to school, I was good. First grade, no problem. Teacher put me in, in, the, in this elevated group, and I was the only black one in this group, in this circle. And I felt those vibes, Joe. <laughs> and my teacher called me Bernie. Bernie? My name's Bernie. What? <laughs> yeah, but it was just the vibes, you know, the, the kids, they didn't really call you a nigger or anything yeah, like that, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it, it was like, you know, I wasn't good enough, uh, wasn't supposed to be in this group, period, just like that, yeah. but I, I maintain, but, you know, after a couple of questions, a couple of days, you know, they, they, I, I was I was taken in, I was respected in the group. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I knew the answers, I knew the answers. I mean, it was put in a group. Yeah, it was. It was funny for me. It was the. It is. It is a reflection, though, because for me, it was at ARA Services. Once they saw that I worked my ass off, and I were I worked hard, didn't complain, kept my mouth shut, and just did any kind of work. I didn't care, you know, if it was cleaning out the grease traps out of the big steamer ovens or anything. Then I was accepted. Mm -hmm. It was like once they figured out I was a hard worker. Then I'm in. Once once they figured out, hey, this this guy is smart, you know, he's one of us. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, also one, one, I had one little vibe at one of the triathlons I went to. You know, guy said he didn't know black guys can swim that kind of distance. Hey, really? Yeah. And he, you know, he's very vocal about it. You know. What? Yeah. Kind of like fronting me off, you know, in front of you. 
Yeah, I didn't know black guys can swim that distance. Man, I ain't no black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Wait, right. who are you talking to? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and, and uh, triathlon is a pretty white sport. I mean, it's a rich sport. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of it's 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 not as cheap as running. It's not as cheap as even swimming. You take the individual sports. Biking's kind of expensive. And stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's. I, you know, I was listening to a podcast and there was a black lady triathlete who uh, recently, you know, because of, you know, all, all the Floyd George and everything and, and uh, all the protests and the, you know, the mistreatment, uh, she, she said something about, about Iron Man where she felt that way too, where, you know, it was... She didn't really feel welcome. There was always that kind of that snickering, you know, <laughs> behind it. And I guess she's pretty well known. I, you know, I, you know, don't don't follow yeah. triathlon that much anymore outside of just our little race here. But mm-hmm. and it really shouldn't be that way, you would think. But when you think about it, a lot of organizations that are well known are not recruiting minority people. Yeah. Right. They're, they're yeah. going. They're going for people who have uh, the right profile sometimes uh, mm-hmm. of what they think their sport should be. Because most of the people who run the sports look like me and not like you. Exactly. Right. You know? And <laughs> and it's and it's it's just a shame. Now your your son and you seem to have these great organizations in Chicago that are, tri- you got, he's got a running group, you've got yeah. triathlon groups. Talk about that. Talk about all the groups and stuff. <laughs> okay, my, <clears throat> I, I do mine a second. My son has got a group, it's called Men Run These Streets. I like their shirts. I saw the shirts and stuff there. Yeah. They're great. That's in, to encourage more black men to, you know, get themselves together, physically fit, and also, you know, spread the, um, unity around the community, you know, try to get more people because, you know, it's a lot of obesity and our kids are growing up obese and, you know, and it's all because of, you know, uh, our food habits, lack of exercise, stuff like that. So he's able to um, build this group of men that promote health and fitness through running. And back in the day when I was, when I was running and I was doing a lot of volunteering, I used to take him to the races with me. And he would volunteer and, you know, be involved with it and it got him into a little bit of running. So I'm very proud of him for, for putting this whole big effort together to, um, you know, bring black men into the, you know, the fold of running or more black men into it. Because when I was um, running, I learned and I built up a group. We were the Rainbow Runners. The Rainbow Runners. Rainbow Runners. Rainbow running in 1980 when I first started running. So I it first was uh, rainbow runners and, you know, how attitudes and personalities in club meetings get, and they broke away. They broke off. And so the other, the biggest part of the group, they became the Stony Island runners. Okay. And I, see the, I used to see those guys on the lakefront running. They had their shirt with the, with the logo on it and everything. And I'm just getting into this running. And so uh, – I, I ran to one of the guys, you know, and we ran, and it was so nice. I said, and I joined the club. Then I found out about, you know, they you were the rainbow runners. 
and you know, but these guys that are training me, Stony Island runners. And but I would run into the other guys on the lakefront and piece by piece, you know, met more and more people. And then I, I joined the Rainbow Club because yeah. some of the guys I ran with on a regular basis was in the Rainbow Club. So I'm in two clubs now, Joe. <laughs> running, you know, I'm, I'm I'm I don't have a job now, so this running is helping me out a whole lot and I can get out and it's, it's helping me mentally and stress wise and all that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm free from depression by running. And so I, I joined the Rainbow Runners and running with them. I went to my, went to my first race, Joe, the 10K. I didn't know it was so much fun I, early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, short race. Yeah, have a, have a, do a 10K race and get back and have refreshments and listen to people talk about running and how they did and all that. And I found out about running shoes because I was running. I was running these earth shoes. Remember the earth walkers? Uh, I had a pair of earth shoes, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was running in. Then I'm looking around at everybody else. <laughs> running shoes. <laughs> I've been training these things here. And now I got I found out about running shoes. And um, I got more hooked into it. Because every weekend I gotta go to a race now. And yeah. so I'm racing, I joined the club and I'm learning more. I'm running distance with these guys now because I never really ran. So I built up running distance. And uh, I'm recruiting for our club all the time, you know. He's like, wait, you know, because we had rainbow shirts on and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, they would ask, ask about it. And then we had runners that were running, Joe. They run. So we went to the races, man. We had champions. <laughs> and then – uh, I think about two years later, they asked me, "Why don't you? But now, want you be president? Why don't you run for president of the club? I'll vote for you." And I became president of the Rainbow Runners Club. Awesome! Yeah, and Joe, I would put out the newsletter. I follow up on things, and I meet other runners on the lakefront. I recruit them, and you know, the University of Chicago, those young white kids and Asian, everybody. They were joining Rainbow. They love that name, Rainbow Runners. Rainbow Runners, yeah. So I had some tough runners, man. <laughs> all that's now. So we was into diversity and running all the time with the Rainbow Runners. And I built the club up to like 100 and something members, man. And we go to the race show. We dominated, man. We was on it. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, so my son, you know, going to the races. So some of that kind of rubbed off on him now. So that's why I say I'm very proud of him for now. He's kind of like, uh, like I was telling him on Father's Day, I used to have my crew. Now that I'm so proud of him having this group of um, black men, you know, educated black men too, that can you know get out and, and, and you know help the rest of the community get in shape, get you know involved in physical fitness, and you know maybe we can outrun some of this diabetes and different things that we got going on in our community. So. Yeah, that, that uh, they looked at the photos that I've seen that you posted and stuff. Uh, they look like a great bunch of guys. I mean, it looks like there's guys old as me, you know, got a little gray going on. Oh, yeah, plenty of them, yeah. <laughs> plenty of them. <laughs> yep. And then uh, my group, you know, the kids, you know, I've been training the kids in the triathlon sport. We're coming up on 30 years. Next year, make 30 years, Joe. 30 years? I'm planning, I'm going to work on the big 30-year anniversary. I want to get that in there in, in, in this before we finish up. But, yeah, we're working on 30 years of TriMasters. I started in um, 1992 with our first program. Wow. So 2021 will be our 30th program. 
we're working on our 30th year. So this COVID thing got me locked down where I can start building on the celebrations that we're going to have for, for the 30th anniversary. So I'm reaching out to a lot of my kids there on Facebook, the kids that came through the program. They're sending back some funny photos. And um, we're, we're also building a, a new website. We lost our website. Domain hosts and stuff like that. They must have went out of business, whatever. So we lost a great website. So I'm building the website. So all over again. So we're gonna put a page on there, like we had. Where are they now? So Perfect. show from a kid that was in the program when he was five years old. Uh, again, some of them they they've been out of college a long time. They got kids. They are doctors and lawyers now. A lot of them I still keep in touch with. <clears throat> and then you know. Um, a variety of success stories. Well, how, how did you first start that? Did you run it? Was it an existing group or did it just come in out of your head? Oh, this is something I did because I like to travel on sports so much, Joe. And then, um, again, I was president of, this is how it happened. I'm president of a running club. And, you know, when you run, you talk about everything when you run it. The president of Chicago State she came here to, before she made the, the, the um, decision to become president. She wanted to know was it a running club that she could be involved in because she's a runner. So, anytime a black person needs to know something about running, they said, Ask Bernard. <laughs> there you go. And so, I got a call from Chicago State, and this lady said, Yeah, we, we, we're getting ready to induct the new president. And, um, but she's a marathon runner, and she wanted to know uh, about running clubs. And somebody told me that I should reach out to you. And she said, can I come to our office and talk to her about, about it? I, yeah. And so I went and I met with this lady, Miss Evans, at the, and uh, told her, yeah, I'm president of the club. Blah, blah. She said, would you, uh, uh, would you have time to meet with the president, uh, the, the uh, interim, uh, the president-elect? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And so I met with with the Lord, her name is Dolores Cross, and we hit it out just like that because we had running in common. Yeah. And she, you know, she had already made her decision she's gonna be the president. So now she got the running club locked down. She was in and she reached out to me again, you know, to go for a run. And when we over the, that year or so, we must might have ran winning times. And I might have spoke about it. I'm trying to start this youth program. I want to teach kids triathlon because I'm in running in. I'm in triathlon now too, and I tried it at the um, health club where I was at. But they want to know, Joe, uh, what's the budget and the proposal and all that. Uh, and I just got this idea, you know. I had I started with adults the year before, two years before, because I met the original trimaster. They came from New York, oh. black and Hispanic. They were they showed up at the triathlon one day. And I'm trying to figure out where the hell all these, you know, black and Hispanics come from. I'm used to the only one that's at the race. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> and nobody told me this was happening. <laughs> so I met the guy that was uh, over the Trimaster from New York, Alvin Hartley. So I met Alvin, and we talked about it. And he said, okay, you'll be with us next year. And I did. I got with them. Joe, they had, you know, they had a, they had a, Sponsorship on Pan Am Airlines, uh, Burger King sponsored them. They had a couple more little small sponsors, but you know who they had, who they were sponsoring to as athletes. 
Brad Kearns, uh, Jeff Devlin, uh, Susan Lashaw, and some more. I got, I got, I got all their files and stuff from because they put out a triathlon book one day and had all them in it. And one of their sponsors they put in there, Trimaster, was one of their sponsors, and they were. And Pan Am was flying these guys everywhere they went. They went to Australia, they went to Beijing, they doing the trial lines all over the place. I got in on the tail end. I uh, did fly to New York to do the New York Marathon. And then when we put the uh, Jamaica, Jamaica Sprint Triathlon together in the grill Jamaica, I went to Jamaica, so I can am first class, man. We were flying first class and everything. So that was good. So that's how I got the TriMaster started. But by me dealing with adults, I built a chapter in Chicago. I had about 10 people. But some of them, you know, they don't know how to swim, but, you know, they want to learn. And then I got kind of discouraged with adults because when you need them, Joe, they're not available. Huh. Yeah, funny. How never that available. Works. You know, you meet with them or try to get some, something to them, not available. There wasn't no social media at that time. They're not available. So, I'm, again, I must have talked to Dolores several times about I'm trying to get this youth program. And um, one day I got a call from her office. President's office called me, said, can you meet with her? And when I, I went back up to meet with her again, met with her in the office, now she's president for several months or whatever. And she said, can you really do a, a youth program? She said, can you really do a youth program? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I ain't gonna say no at that point. She told me to, she had $10,000 grant that she had got from Chicago Community Trust and she wanted to you know, use it but she wants to get the most impact out of it. Can you do the program? And I said, yeah. So um, she said, okay, um, we'll have another meeting in about a, a week or so. And she got the athletic director and a couple people from uh, legal. And we met again. She said, we can put this on legally and what it would take. And hashed it all out. Uh, so they, they put me on a board. I took a leave from uh, City College. I worked for City College. I took a leave of absence. I took all my vacation time, and I was out to go ahead and try this thing at Chicago State. So when I got the okay, I had rounded up 30 kids, Joe. Huh. 30 kids. Some people on campus, kids, they weren't in the program because it was in the middle of July. of 92 was in July. So I rounded up some kids on campus. One grandmother, I told her, you know, Joe, I had that vision. I'm going to have this program. I even got a news article that scares me to death because they wrote it up before I even got the program. I'm going to visualize it. I'm going to have this thing. I told his grandmother, I said, when I get this program, I'm going to – she's taking care of the grandkids, and they were bad. <laughs> Not really bad, but, you know, kids is kids. Uh-huh. You got to raise grandkids because your, your kids, you know, they into the drugs and the gang. And, they left Johnny with you. <laughs> so I got those five kids and some few kids on campus and a couple more kids. And so anyway, we ended up with 30 kids. I had two lifeguards and two guys from the TriMaster group, uh, group that I had started. They came to help me. And I bought 10 swim bicycles. Whoa. He still loves me for that right now. About 10 swim bikes. I had two lifeguards, and we had the campus, which had the swimming pools, running track, uh, all of you know classrooms I could use. I had everything, and we we just let it rip off the cuff. 
sometimes, okay, they, they gave me an office too. They gave me a little office in the administration building on the second floor, right up under the president on the third floor. I'm on the second floor with the lady that called me in the first place. She's my, my boss now. Oh, I got an office right there. I work with her in special events department. Public Affairs is right in that same corridor right there too. So Public Affairs, they found out I had this program. They want to do a press release, right? They did a press release, Joe, and it went out. Sometimes came down there to interview me and and a couple other people, on, and they, they wrote it up in the Sun-Times. Chicago State University is sending 30 kids to the Chicago Kids Triathlon. Two days later, WGN TV called. Huh. Muriel Clear. You know Muriel Clear? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Been she's still on there. She's been on there all the time. Muriel Clear came down to the Chicago State, interviewed me, interviewed the kids. Then uh, the following week, they came to the triathlon. They filmed all that, and they put it together and put it on WGN TV for kids' sake. A three-minute thing, show the kids training, show their interviews, show them racing. And at the end of it, the parents hugging the kids. It'll make you cry, Joe. I'm going to hook you up to that video. Oh, but, man. Yeah, after yeah, we got those kids doing that, that interview that Mirror Clear did, it was so fantastic. It, it just, I just used to show it to everybody. I think we got it on our YouTube thing, too. But it'll make you cry. Just three minutes, I should put it together with the interviews. One of the kids, they showed him. Uh, one of the coaches was holding him in the water like this here. He couldn't swim. And she asked him, he said, he's kind of, I'm kind of scared. So the lady, she miracle said, are, are you going to continue to try? And Willie broke it down for her. He said, that's what we're here for. Try master. Try to learn how to be the masters at what we do. I couldn't believe it. Perfect. <laughs> I couldn't believe Willie said that. Perfect. <laughs> he broke it down. I cried. <laughs> Willie's one of them five kids grandma was keeping one of the, one of the, the hardest, yeah. Man, but when, when Miriam Clear said, you're going to continue to try, sure. we really broke it down for us. Yeah, that's what we're here for. But we call it try. <laughs> try to learn how to do math and what we do. <laughs> I couldn't that, believe it. That's an amazing story. And that was in the 90s, right? Yeah, that was uh, uh, 92. That was 92. The first year we had the triathlon, we started training in July. And in the end of, uh, first week of September, I think it was, we was at the kids' triathlon ready. Without 30 truths, we was there. <laughs> so over the years, that's all we trained for, make sure we trained a group of kids to be at Chicago Kids' triathlon. Did, uh, do you have any kind of limit now on how many kids you can take? Um, you know, we, we got so popular on campus there, we had to limit it to 100. We had to limit it to 100 because I couldn't pay enough coaches and you know, get it logistic-wise, and, you know, that was enough. Hundreds was enough burning everybody out. Kids tired, coaches burned out, everybody all day long for four days a week, you know, Monday through Thursday. We didn't do Friday. <laughs> because, again, they had the energy crisis, so the university usually kind of shut down on Friday. So we, that was good for us, too, because we all fried. Yeah. Keep the kids from um, 9 o'clock to, to 4, 4.30 before some of the parents come to get them. So we had kids all day long. Wow. Train them and feed them and hold down yard. But uh yeah, so um after that, after that, that that first year we got funding because 
that 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 news clip went it was all over the country. All, it was everywhere because it's on cable. They even saw it down in Jamaica. When we got down to Jamaica, they seen us on TV. <laughs> we saw it out on TV. And in fact, we, when we put the Negril Sprint Triathlon together, I, I was helping the New York-based crew put the Negril Triathlon together. One year, WGN TV crew, they went with us from Chicago. Oh, they went down with you guys. Yeah, they went down to Jamaica with us, and they filmed the whole thing. Another thing they put on WGN, Chicago's very own. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the station. Train our folks, and we even brought the spirit of triathlon to Jamaica. And Rich King, the sports guy, he put it on his show. So we, we had another uh, big WGN thing with Rich King that he showed about uh, us promoting triathlon sports. So That's years ahead of other people doing this stuff. Years ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're ahead of the curve. In oh, fact, yeah. um, How many kids? So there's like 100 kids in it now? Uh, no, right now with this COVID thing, I, you know, we got to go online and see who's going to re who's registered. Meanwhile, we, you know, over the, the last couple of years, we've been out at a new place out in Matson at the community center out there. And this is um, 18 minutes from 95th and Dan Ryan. We used to have a pickup, take some of the city kids out to the suburb out there, train in a facility that, you know, can accommodate what we do and they love us out there. So uh, we had this average of 60 to 80 kids out there. Wow, wow. That's most, kids, most kids I took to the triathlon, Joe, I, one year I had 108 kids that made it to the kid triathlon. We got that late and everything, Joe. We had four bus loads and uh, parents with cars and <laughs> trying to get everybody up to the north side. We were late. The race director, he was so goddamn mad. <laughs> <laughs> Because the schedule got to be rearranged now. The oh, well, they had to wait for you guys. Yeah, the party is here. <laughs> so, so when, no, you, when you do that, that where, where I, yeah, I mean, I understand where you can swim and whether it's a pool or the lake or whatever. Where does where do you guys bike ride when you do the triathlons? Um, when they when they do the actual event, yeah. Oh, they closed off the streets up there, uh, mostly up there in the uh, Lincoln Park area. On the, oh, lake, yeah, I know. Yeah. Up on the lake front, so they, they shut off from uh, Wilson Avenue all the way up to Foster. Yeah. So, so they can do the event. You swim in the lake or run in the lake. A lot of kids, you know, they don't swim, they run. They run out there and they make the turn, they run back in, get on their bike, and they're gone. So, yeah, they, they shut it off right up there around Montrose or Foster. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know exactly. I'm going to turn on the light. I'm going to turn on the light. Oh, that might be a little better. I can yeah, see my better. Yeah, but um, yeah. So, for every year, that's what we train our group to make sure that we have kids at the uh, kids triathlon. So we've done it for twenty nine years. Wow, <laughs> and it's and it's right before, kind of a month before the Chicago marathon, right? Because Chicago is in October. I yeah, the marathon is in October. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so again, I was into this 30 years. I got a lot, maybe about 2,800 or so kids come through the program. We used to have after school programming and everything. So I got millions and millions of photos I'm going to be going through because I was sorting out a whole bunch of my stuff and going through 
because uh, we're building the website. So I'm just going through all these articles. Well, I had well, that's that's going to be great to show where they are now. I think that's a great idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of men, they're, uh, like one kid, um, I always tell about Ryan's story. Ryan, she came to us. She was like nine years old. And uh, she was on the swim team. She's on the swim team. But her mother, you know, let Ryan, you know, Ryan's just got a lot of energy. He wanted to get into everything. Found out about the tripline program. Brought Ryan up there. Ryan's nine years old. I talk about her all the time again. Ryan, she took on to that real good. She learned how to run. Oh, Joe, when she learned how to run, we could none of the boys touch him. So <laughs> I, I had some stuff I wanted to board. I put Ryan on him. And then she got into the biking pretty good. And then uh, one of uh, one, in fact, one she she did so good in the triathlon when we first went. One of the local champions, uh, Lauren Jensen. Yeah. Lauren Jensen kind of latched on to Ryan. Gave Ryan one of her bikes, real nice racing bike, so she could race on. Oh, the following year, Ryan was dangerous. Man, she, she just blew all those kids away. <laughs> and then she did the sprint the next day. She did the sprint driving line. She's right. She wanted that kid stuff. Was, that's something else. She wanted to do the sprint. So we had to sign her up. We had her mother sign the waiver. Because uh, yeah. she's under 16. She do the sprint trial line. Uh, Joe, she just had a ball. And she did so good in the kids' um, race. They had a championship. And uh, she won the uh, um, all the kids' stuff. Overall? Yeah. yeah. Overall. And they had a trip for her to go to Oceanside, California to, to defend her championship. So we got to take Ryan to Oceanside, California. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, we had to take Ryan to Oceanside, California. And uh, she did real good in that, too. Joe, she always wanted, she's always said she wanted to be a doctor. She's a doctor. She's a doctor. In fact, two years ago, she was at the tent in Hawaii. Oh, helping out. medical tent in Hawaii, yeah. She was the one of the medics and lieutenant at, at Ironman World Championships. Wow. I introduced her to Dave Scott and all that, you know, because me and Dave, me and Dave, we're a good friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dave, this is one of my kids here. And we sat around, we had, you know, had a little talk, that little time hanging out with Dave and no, nobody else was bombarding him. Oh, and she's, she's, a, she's a doctor. I mean, she's yeah. a doctor. She's out on the front lines now with all yeah. this COVID stuff. Yep, so she's one of the success stories, but um, another one, uh, uh, Ariana, I just we sent Ariana's bio in to a, a, one of the writers from uh, the Crackley uh, Magazine. They're going to do a little something for us coming up, but I sent her thing out. Uh, Ari was the first five-year-old I led into the program because you had to be six years old. You had to be six because we, by the time we go to travel, you could be seven, which you had to be seven to do the event. So we had, you had to at least be six years old to be with us. And, you know, triathlon rules and stuff, you had to be seven. So she had, you had her older brother in the program. That's the only reason I let her in because she had older brother in there because we don't have no, you know, time for no babysitting and crying and all that stuff like that. And uh, there's no crying in triathlon. Right. <laughs> I told her mother, I said, if she don't cry, uh, nothing like that, then, you know, she could stay. 
Joe, she was there for about two weeks. She had took over, man. <laughs> At five years old, yeah. She's the mascot captain and all that stuff. She's another one. She learned how to run. She beat up on everybody. So Ariana, she got she got to be pretty good. Now she went through the ranks. She went to a uh, historically black university and everything, and she's a she's a lawyer. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So she, and I asked her to send me one of her bios. She said anything for you, Coach Bernard. She ended up with two brothers. It was three of them in the program. And they, they in oh, fact, uh, their father was one of, the, one of the few parents that really stuck and motivated me and kept me motivated. He, he passed uh, while, you know, the kids were in the program, too. So, but uh, he got to see them do the trials line and, you know, see them growing. And, and me and him, you know, we had this relationship. And, uh, you know, they, they after he passed, and, you know, they, they recovered from it a little bit. They always... Come back, you know, and me and Sean and the youngest one is Cameron and the girl, Ariana. Yeah, we just like, you know, family. Your family. And so, well, like we say in Hawaii, you know, it's all, all Hana. And I mean, it yeah. is, like right. you said, too, it's important that the parents support it. Right. Yep. And I had some good parent support, too, because, again, it'd be some of those parents, Joe, they ask a thousand questions. What about this? What about this? When my kids say that y'all made them do this, and blah, blah, we all that. I we get them settled down. That's one of the best parents you can have. Yeah. <laughs> that parent that's on your neck about all this thousand stuff. The kids that went home told them we made them do all this like hard so they don't want to do no workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but sometimes I tell them, I say, well, I don't think this is really the camp for your your son. <laughs> They're like, no, no. Wait a He'll minute. Do right. yeah. He'll do right. <laughs> I'll talk to him, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll talk to him because, you know, I, I don't have time for all that. If they don't want to train, they should tell you. Because I tell them, too, you ain't, you're not going to participate, stay at home. Yeah. Stay at home. Don't come in with that because we ain't here for that. I have no babysitters here, none of that stuff like that. Not going to participate because some of you know, kids going to be kids. They do all the kind of things. But this ain't the place for it. We got plenty of training for them to do. So, isn't Joe. It, isn't it great? Isn't it rewarding, you know, for you to be able to do that? Oh, yeah. Lots of big rewards, man, because I had so much fun. Because, you know, they say what you learn as a kid is what really sticks with you. So as a kid, Joe, I'm in this big family. I had to take care of all these jokers, the ones that's up under me. <laughs> so I was into kids raising all the time. <laughs> I just know some sports now. I can raise these kids and teach them some triathlon at the same time and get paid. <laughs> but do, do you find it every once in a while somebody will come up to you and go, Kurt, uh, Coach Bernard, do you remember me? And it, you know, you know them when they're small. Yeah. Like size yeah. adults, and it's like, wait a minute, who are you? Who are you, boy? <laughs> right. Some of them, I can't remember them all because, again, I, you know, a lot of times I put them with my coaches anyway. Running well, coach got you. <laughs> or they go to the pool, the swim coaches got you. I'm not really, I'm the administrator <laughs> and I'm the disciplinarian, whatever, at times, but. The coaches, yeah, the coaches know the kids a whole lot better. A lot of them I know, 
and a lot of them outstanding. A lot of them, I, you know, I know they really like the sport, and I, I you know, give them a little extra. And so we, over the years, we keep in touch, and those are the ones that's on Facebook that we we still just keep in touch all the time. So that's, I mean, that's a great thing about social media now is that we can stay in touch, and that you can you can watch them grow up even though they maybe have moved to a different area. Right. Yep. Yep. And then again, it's, it's, it's rewarding to see how many of them have, you know, just went through the process of going to high school and went to a, a good college and they came out to college and they're successful in their career. And uh, they've got kids. I've got a couple of them. i got kids come to the program now. So I got grandch trimasters, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Grandkids. <laughs> so, so wait. Wait, how old are you? Right. <laughs> I'm that old. <laughs> yep. And then uh, another good story is it was one kid in the program. It was um, it was four of them. Their last name Fry, Michael Fry, Mitchell Fry, William Fry, and their daughter, their sister name was Gigi. Gigi is a nurse. I just saw William, and he just got married. He was in the big security thing. He learned that Michael, uh, Michael, he's a nurse now, but he became my head swim coach for TriMasters. He came back and he became the head swim coach for TriMasters. And he coached Mike, my youngest boy, who's in there, he's 17 now, trained him to be a champion swimmer. Kids that I trained, trained my last one to be a wow. champion swimmer. We used to go to Illinois State Championship. He went to the Illinois State Championship about six times. Got all kind of swim trophies and awards and stuff like that. Well, he didn't. He didn't inherit his swim ability from you, though. No, nah, he's much better than me. <laughs> he's much better than me. <laughs> Plus, I started him when he was like three years old. Took him to the pool with me when he was three, and um, you know, showed him a few things. Then I turned him over to a coach. And I, I never forget this one coach had him doing the kickboard. And they had him the kick down. Now he wanted to kick to the swim, to the deep end, turn, and come back. And he, he was getting down there, and he started crying because he's at the deep end. And the coach, all he said, just go ahead and cry. Just add more water to the pool. <laughs> <laughs> no excuse crying. They're going to get you out of this. <laughs> just add more water to the pool. <laughs> and so he outgrowed that coach, and then I turned him over to Michael, which Michael became the, uh, the, the, the head coach for the, the swim team, Chicago South swim team that we had. So we had a lot of kids in Chicago South swim team. They also became into tri-masters and became triathletes. But we had a lot of black swim champions. You, you have a, you've had an amazing effect, you know, on an entire city. I've heard that. I've heard that a lot of people said, "Boy, you inspired me," and I, you know, I can't remember. <laughs> What's well, like you, you know, Dave Daggett, right? The guy who he's uh, Iron Man guy. He's a lawyer in uh, Georgia. Do I, Big Dave? Yeah, you probably know Dave. He. He's he's gone to Iron Man a lot of times. Really nice guy, super high end lawyer in in Georgia, and he does kind of the same thing where he's got so many community activities going on where he just inspires people 
and it's just amazing the effect that you know you throw that little pebble in the pond yeah all the, all the ripples that you know just go out it's just amazing i, I gotta meet him if i don't have him on my facebook thing i gotta meet him oh yeah i'm, I'm sure you know dave and stuff. yeah i probably do yeah super mm -hmm. nice guy friends with mike riley and all those guys and everything okay Everybody okay knows him. Yeah. speaking of mike so, riley mike riley got something big coming up too ain't he uh, Mike's always got something in the works, you know, Bob Babbitt, not so much. Bob just does interviews now. Yeah, Bob, that's my man, that's my man there. Yeah. Bob showed me a lot of love when I first came to Iron Man. When I first came to Iron Man, remember he started that, that, uh, the Challenge Athletes thing at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and then they was having this big, big thing, and they was announcing about the Challenge Athletes there, and I'm just sitting in there, just sitting there in the meeting. And then Bob starts talking about, well, and we have a fantastic person here that inspired kids all over the world and this and that and blah, blah, we. And I'm looking around, seeing he's in Bernard He calls me up. <laughs> now I got to do a little spiel. <laughs> Pull me out just like that. I'm like, okay. That's, that's, that's Bob. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a great guy. He's done so much for his community, not just for triathlon and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Bob is the best, man. He still comes out for uh, Ultraman, and he comes out every once in a while, you know, to you – know, well, he always comes out for Ironman and, and stuff. But yeah. what, was your, what was your first triathlon that you can remember doing? Uh, I remember vividly because that's my man, Leon. Leon's triathlon in Hammond, Indiana. It used to be a Hobart, but it's in Hammond now. So uh, Leon, I did Leon's first race, which was in 1983. Whoa! Yeah, and he was in he's in Hobart, Indiana. So Joe, I was a I was a runner then, but I got I got pretty good in it. And then um, one of my friends, he went to an indoor triathlon. One of the guys in the running club went to indoor triathlon. And he said, uh, "No, I did this, this triathlon thing." And uh, he said, "It was so much fun." He said, "We swam in this pool, and then we, we biked outside, and we ran outside, but we swam in the indoor pool." He said, "But uh, you should try one. You, I know you'd like it. You'll do good at it." So I went down and I saw the uh, Bud Light triathlon that was in Chicago, and uh, I, I watched it in '82. That same season, I watched it. But it was so exciting to see all the people in the lake and riding up and down Lakeshore Drive. And then I thought about it. I said, yeah, I'm going to try that triathlon next year. So I trained and I trained. And I found out about Leon's triathlon. So I signed up for Leon. Joe, I went there to pick up my race package on Friday night. On the way there, I could see the race site from um, the highway. And I look down there, I see the race site. I see that lake down there. I see all these inner tubes stretched out down this lake. It didn't look too bad from that. But when I got there, I looked at the site, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh shit. That's a long way to swim down there. <laughs> and then there's a girl standing behind me. She said, uh, oh, we have to go down there and come back. <laughs> what she say that for? <laughs> yeah, really? Uh -huh. <laughs> I ain't never did nothing. I just stepped in some stuff now, Joe. <laughs> that was on Friday night. The race is on Sunday. Yeah. I did not sleep on Friday night or Saturday night. I was scared, Joe. <laughs> Nervous, yeah. I done got myself into something, but all the running clubs, they know I'm going. They're not ready. 
Good luck, Bernard, and congratulations. We know you're going to do well and tell us all about it. <laughs> Even one of the friends, she lent me a bike because I had a, I had some little crappy bike. She said, I know, I know you ain't going to ride that thing. <laughs> Now, speak, speaking of bikes, you have some very interesting bikes that I haven't seen in, a, in a, quite a while. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I got some pretty good bikes. I got four bikes now. But I take care of my bikes when I get them. Well, you so, got a soft tail, right? I got, I got a soft ride that I've been riding for the last couple of weeks. I hadn't rode it in a couple of years, so I still got that. I got a um, uh, uh, Kestrel, Kestrel SC200. That I bought, I bought that thing twenty years ago. So, yeah, I bought it. I bought it after I went to Ironman because I, I used another bike in Ironman. So uh, yeah, I had it about twenty years. And the one that I rode in Ironman was Swim Paramount. I still have it, but it's a in Florida. I, I left it at my brother's house in Florida, so when I get down there, I can ride a Swim Paramount, right? Paramount, right? I have a Swim Paramount. I got that. That's what I rode when I did Ironman. And um, now, now I got a Cervelo. I got a Cervelo P3. Ah, that's a good bike. It was a, it was a triathlete. He donated it to the program. He donated. He knew I was going to keep it, but it, it had no wheels and no pedals on it. But Joe, the rest of it, that was an expensive bike. Carbon fiber. Yeah, that uh, got the real nice bar on there. I know that bar cost like $800 by itself. The duration, all that stuff on it. So I, I got some nice bikes to ride. But yeah, Leon's Triathlon, that was my first one. And they treated I'm me. How happy so were nice. you when you got out of the water? Oh, when I got out of the water, I was good because I was in the second wave that went off, Joe. I'm standing there looking at that water, too. <laughs> first wave, they went boom. And then we had the line, we had to move up. <laughs> the second wave went up, boom. I went with them. I went in the back. <laughs> but I went. 17 minutes later, 17 minutes, I was out the water, Joe. Woo! I was on my, I was on my way gone. So I got, I got on the bike. It was all good. We got stopped by a damn train. <laughs> a train, a train, a train. I think about maybe about ten riders got passed before the train slowed down the whole pack. Oh man, we we waiting there. We waiting there. We waiting there. All the riders started piling up. So finally, the train cleared. And everybody went out at the same time on the bike, man. It was chaos. It was chaos trying to get back on the track. So we got through biking. A lot of bikers, much better bikers than me, much better swimmers. We had to run. I'm a runner, Joe. I was collecting them. I was on the run, Joe. Run them down. I came back number 44. The first 50 win a prize. I won a cap. And a tank top, Leon's tank top. <laughs> so I was in, Joe. I was in. You're hooked then. I'm gonna show you a quick, I'm gonna show you a picture because I showed it to Leon the other day. I don't know if you can see that. Uh kind of tilted sideways. That way? Uh, up. Up. There you go. That's at Leon, that's Leon at the first triathlon. Oh, yeah, that's Leon. I showed it to him the other day. And he said, where'd you get that from? <laughs> that's real life. I got it on my scrapbook. Because I'm collecting, I'm going through all my scrapbooks. 
put on my put out my legacy on the website. And Leon's my first triathlon. So I showed him the picture. That was him giving out the awards. But they treated me so nice, Joe. That's how I got hooked in triathlon. Because when I got there, I was the only one there. I was scared. I got myself into something. This black boy got, got into something that he got no business into. <laughs> I didn't have a helmet. The girl already let me have a bike. Leon said, where's your helmet? I don't have a helmet. I didn't know how he needed to have one. Go on the trail over there and tell my mom to give you one of my helmets. One of these little, little leather helmets, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leather helmets. <laughs> That's what I had. And Leon said, you can go ahead and keep it and pay me whenever, you know, whatever. But I had so much fun that day, and they treated me so nice. All that fear of me being the only one there, scared, it, 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 it left. And when I won the prize and all that stuff, I was good. That's so with Leon for uh, 14 years before he, he went into a hiatus with the traffic line because the casino moved in and they politics were too big. They, just, they thought Leon was interrupting with their, uh, I don't know how the politics run, but we used to have the uh, part of the Skyway locked oh, yeah. down for Leon's traffic line. And uh, somewhere that didn't work with the casino people. And Leon didn't have a traffic line for about seven, eight years, but he's back again. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Leon's back now for about seven years. And this is just, it's just called Leon's Triathlon? Yeah, Leon's Triathlon, or Leon's Triathlon Festival, or Leon's World's Fastest Triathlon. <laughs> but okay. go to leonstriathlon.com, and that's Leon. Yeah, I'll find him. I'll track it down and stuff. In fact, Leon just, you know, since he didn't have an event this year, his mom put on a virtual, oh, virtual duathlon where you you know run, bike, run, and then she has some fun, fun runs and stuff like that. So I, I did that too because again, Leon, Leon, them they were so we were so close. I call his mother mom. Yeah. All the time I know mom, <laughs> mom, and mom know I better be at the race every time. Every year I'm at the race and I'm looking for mom. Check in with mom when I get there. And she's all, oh, Bernie's here, Bernie's here. <laughs> that's, that's the way it should be, you know, uh, yeah. accepting of athletes. Uh, we, you know, uh, part, of, part of the reason I'm in Hawaii is because pretty much everybody here is that way. It's like, I don't care what, you know, if you're tall, short, or what color you are and stuff. It's just like, if you're a good guy, if you're a good girl, mm -hmm. great. If you're not, well, then we'll see you later. Aloha. Right. But uh, even the days when I didn't race, you know, I'm up, I'm up working the race with with mom, making sure because Leon, Leon's in Zombie Land. You know how the race directors they got so much going on. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing too is that's been I think part of your success is the fact that you're willing to help out and volunteer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In fact, the, the federation gave me a big award for that. I got a big old certificate that I have framed, you know, for. My volunteer spirit in triathlon and stuff like that. <laughs> so I got that over there. But yeah, I always volunteer. I, I like it. And I get to meet more people, uh, uh, coach my athletes as they go. And you know, again, you know, if somebody's there need to talk to me about it, whatever, inspire them, I'm there for that too. Well, I mean, I think it's great that you're able to, you know, you've been able to travel outside the country and, and see other races and other places. And, mm -hmm. you know, coming out to Hawaii, I think, is special for everybody. Oh, yeah, I love it. 
you know, and the fact that you come out and you go to those places, I don't know. It's great to win stuff, Mm -hmm. but I think it's more important to participate and you've been a participator. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I, I enjoy it. And I meet a lot of good people and then the, the ground crew, you know, that makes this whole thing happen. That's a special crew. Volunteers and the event staff, it's a special crew. Oh, yeah. Some of those guys are pretty harsh. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to uh, call out uh, B. Mains about anything here, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I run into some harsh ones, yeah. <laughs> no, Brian's, Brian's a good guy. You know. <laughs> they all are. You know, but that's, that's the thing, you know, it's great that, uh, you know, they sometimes let us get involved in that way. And when you feel like you are part of a team and that it's not that you're just being used. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I was there, when I was there in Hawaii, I was always uh, work at the warehouse. Yeah. I was always with the warehouse crew over there. With a, uh, what is his name? Uh, Butter. Butter is still there. Butter, yeah, with Butter. Even though he's a little rough and rash sometimes, but, you know, he, he's got to do his job. I understand that. Do his job. I'm going to pitch in. And once I met with the, with the crew that he works with, you know, we're all good. Butter's just got a job to do. Yeah. And he's a good guy outside of the job because we all sit at the VIP table together and we had a good time. Oh, good. Say Bernie and see right there. <laughs> Well, I, and, I, and I think, you know, in moments of uh, stress, you know, which is yeah. the week before a race, any race, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter, that you're, you're bound to, like, maybe lose your temper, maybe say something that you shouldn't say and that you regret. But I think yeah. everybody who's involved knows it's, it's yeah. just the stress of doing it. I understand it. that, yeah. I understand it perfectly, yeah. Because the race directors, they, 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 they're like zombies. They're in zombie land. I, I've been a race director, too. I have... We had our own kids triathlon for like six years, and I'm the director of the event, plus I'm director of the kids' program. So all week long, all day, all summer, I'm fried. Yeah, so yeah. Come down to race day. <laughs> if I haven't delegated everything out good, <laughs> I have to take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always – I know. My my tease is always that it's a rock rolling downhill that day of the race and just get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any Do you have any plans? I mean, uh, you're obviously planning your anniversary. You know, where are they now and stuff? But do you have any plans to, you know, maybe expand and not uh, not just do triathlon stuff for the kids, but do do athlons or anything like that? Anything else you got going on in Chicago? Uh, no, just right now, just so busy with just, you know, trying to fit myself into this new world that's coming up. Virtual, this, virtual, that, you know, Zoom meetings and yeah, COVID and just try to work your way because everybody's got to reinvent themselves now. Yeah, I think that's very, very wise for you to say that. I see too many people like in the ultra running world talking about, well, I can't wait until we get back to normal. Uh-uh. You forget that for a while. There's a new normal. You yeah, know? new normal. There is definitely different rules that's going to be going on. I, I've been throwing it around in my head about how to do aid stations. Yeah. Triathlon now. Man, it's going to be tough. Right. 
And then uh, when it comes down to um, just like the, like everybody said, what are you going to do about your kids' training and stuff like that? I'm going to wait just like everybody else is going to wait. Park District, they're offering summer programs, but they said no swimming, no field trips. Johnny must have his mask every day. Stuff like that. And they have to retrain uh, their staff and crew. I'm not going, I'm not trying to go through all that. Plus, we're sanctioned through the USA Triathlon. Yeah. So until I can get sanctioning and insurance, I just got to follow the leader of the USA Feder the Federation, what they're going to be doing. Meanwhile, yeah. let the park district sort out how they deal with kids in summer camps. If they work it out, then I see how they do it. By that time, you know, um, We'll try to roll out something, but not until then. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much planning I think we can all do now. I mean, we got to kind of wait to see. I mean, for me, it's always, it's been testing, treatment, and vaccine. Right. You know. And even, uh, it's, it's going to be a couple years after they get a, a vaccine before yeah. people are going to be able to, you know, race or go back to normal. Without the social distancing and masking, all that, or things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be very challenging. But I mean, it's people like you that have met the challenges in the past that are the ones that are going to lead lead into the future. I think, and plus the the people that you've trained, you know, through your organization and stuff. Those are the leaders. They're the doctors, the lawyers. Yeah, you know, they're doing it right. They're the ones that are going to actually, you know, I got a lot of faith in uh, the younger generation. I know there's yeah, every generation, like when we were growing up, there was the, the, the kid that turned out to be a cop, hopefully a good cop, not a bad cop. The yeah. kid that turned out to be a crook. That's plenty. I got plenty of those in my history. The mm -hmm. kids that turned out to be priests and doctors and lawyers and, and leaders and stuff. Right. So now, yeah, again, back to that, is what kids learn when they're young. So this generation that's coming through now, they're gonna learn about the movement and you know diversity, all lives matter, not just black lives, not all lives matter. And if they grow up with that, I think we can work our way out of some of this racism and stuff like that. Because again, all of the ones that's the race, racist people, they, they, they learn that as kids from their parents. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that, not really, but, you know, amazed that people are surprised at the racism and the mm -hmm. prejudice. It's like, what you, really? You're surprised? <laughs> it's been there all the time. We're just able to record it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, you know. And when they, the, the one guy who was a football coach who was on some, weird network that had all kinds of racism and conspiracy on it and then two weeks later after his players called him out on it oh i didn't realize it was like that <laughs> it's like yeah really right <laughs> you didn't realize because somebody called you on it that's right that's the only time you act like you realize it man yep but um yeah the, the new generation you know if they keep i'm, I'm not, i was happy to see Whereas, you know, so many different nationalities they're on this whole whole movement. And it wasn't just one protest. They protesting all over the country. 
all over the world. In fact, over there in Europe, they were protesting. Yeah. You know, Black Lives Matter over there too. Yeah. But the bottom line is all lives matter. It's just how, how you, you know, we have exposed how you treated black people over, you know, over the centuries. Since, what, 400 years now of slavery? And now we can videotape all this stuff that you've been doing to us. Yeah, I, I find it kind of ironic that uh, some people are worried about tearing statues down because they honor people, you know, that is part of their heritage. And they say, well, we shouldn't ignore our heritage. But then when you talk about racism and how uh, black people were treated, then they say, well, we need to get beyond that. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. wait a minute. I'm going to get beyond them. <laughs> the statues. <laughs> wait, uh, aren't you going to get, yeah, get beyond your statues and stuff. Right. <laughs> Do you know the history behind this statue? Or the history behind the Confederate flag? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, I mean, when, when I was in Minnesota, going to school in Minnesota, we had a cooperative and I was part of the Student Mobilization Committee. And the Panthers used to actually come up and we would huddle with the Panthers and talk about what stuff that yeah. we should do. And that was in the 70s, you know? Yeah, that's another group. Yeah, the Black Panthers are around, yeah. That's how many years ago? That, you know, it's taken to even get to the point now where people can actually talk about it yeah, and, and just go, no, you have to recognize yeah. racism. They're trying to, trying to, you know, bring that to light, what was happening to us. And I mean, it's funny. I know people in my personal life, you know, friends or acquaintances who in their day-to-day -day dealings with people, they're probably not racist. They probably don't treat people that way. Right. But in their beliefs, they're totally racist. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait a minute. You, you act this way towards people, but you think this. Right. Come on. You know. <laughs> and yeah, like somebody, somebody pointed it out to me, too. It's like when we have uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You know, and there's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we're honoring people who have breast cancer. Do you get upset because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and you have prostate cancer? N no, you don't say, well, we should say it's Prostate right. Cancer Month too. It's like, no, I mean, it's, the two are not really connected as somebody who's had prostate cancer, you know, and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just... I shake my head. I mean, it was like I, the story I told you on the phone where I got thrown out of a family meeting a right. party years ago. I mean, this is when I was like 18 because my relatives started talking about those people. And uh, I just asked them, so who are those people you're talking about it? And they just went, well, if you don't like what we're talking about, you can leave. And I told them, if you give me bus fare, I'll leave. They gave me, a, I think it was 35 cents was bus fare back then. <laughs> Since you're packing that joke. <laughs> took the 35 cents from my aunt, took the bus home. God, going with him. <laughs> it's like, the people, yeah, people, I think it's great because there are, there is accountability. We have our phones where we can actually, I'm not making this up. Look, this happened. Right. Let me, let me dim this light real quick. Yeah. 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 Ye
Uh, I got too much going on. <laughs> too much going on here, Joe. Oh, you can bring the kids in if you want. Huh? You can bring the kids in if you want. <laughs> no, I don't want to blend. Oh, that's too bright. Too much light. There we go. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I don't want to blind you. I was, I was looking in the, looking in the thing. It's like that light. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Lock that off. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness, you're handsome, and you know we got you. Uh -oh. on. <laughs> So when you when you go out, what do you what do you think is going to be the first organized event where you can have a fair amount of people in Chicago? Funny you should ask that, Leon. The other day, Saturday, put together a aquathon, swim and run. There's a real nice beach, Joe, right behind the casino. You got the Horseshoe Casino. Right there in Hammond? Yeah, oh, yeah in Hammond, yeah. Yeah, it's a real nice beach back there. Leon put together a, uh, he had about 60 people that came, and they had the mask for him. You all got, you got to wear your mask, had a little thing to take your temperature, all that stuff like that, all the safety protocols, space them where, you know, only certain people, uh, what about seven, eight swimmers in a group or something like that. Yeah. And send him straight shut down, turn, come back. And he's able to send them out on intervals. The runners were running, you know, they send them out. And when you get out the water, you got your mask, and then they put it together. It's okay. It's pretty good. And Those people, wanted, run, people yeah. wanted to do that. Yeah, they wanted to they wanted to be involved in some kind of event. Now but on the run, did they have eight stations or not? No, it's a short it's a short run, so no eight station on that one. So do you think you could, uh, well, back in the day, do you think you could have done Iron Man if you were basically self-supported? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Man, Iron Man race, Iron Man is rough, man. That's well, what, what I think is going to happen, and I read the protocols from, uh, 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 you know, uh, what's his name, Andrew. I think... Uh, I mean, the run aid stations, self-serve. Nobody's going to hand you anything. You know, huh. Nobody's going to hand you a cup or anything. And they can do the run aid stations using pitch, pitchers to fill up bottles and stuff, but don't touch the bottles. And then on the bike aid, the bike is what is, is kind of, I think they could probably get away if all the volunteers have gloves handing off bike bottles. But you might have to test all them too, right? Yeah, I mean, I would have a hard time recruiting um, uh, aid stations right now. I mean, yeah. just because uh, you know, it it'll aid stations generally are uh, a group, of, you know, church group, a school group. Uh, you know, everybody kind of knows each other, and right? So, you know. But, um, like, uh, I was talking to Mike uh, DeCarly, 
and they do that aid station out on a, one of the aid stations out on Elite Drive. And Mike brought up uh, a subject which yeah, I, I sometimes forget. Uh, there's a lot of old people that work at the aid stations. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people that are in uh, an at-risk group. I mean, they may be older, they may have asthma, they may have other issues. And how do you, with a good conscience, say, hey, come down and help out at an aid station? Right, yeah. And you know how important this is. How you count them out if they don't, if you, you know, you try to protect them, but, you know, the event is going on, they want to be there. But you said, nah, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, jeopardize your health or anything. I kind of wish they would just say, hey, let's bag it until next October, which I think may actually what happens uh, because, uh, you know, there's, it's going to come back, you know, particularly uh, in October, probably. There's going to be more people sick as more people get out. So I'm, I, I would hope that they would just say, hey, let's start the year over. 2021, brand new year. Right. Let's, let's just go with the flow there. And uh, speaking of that, man, that brings me back to another great memory I had when I was in Hawaii. One year, I was I was uh, volunteered, and I was they put me in the truck to drive on the route to drop off stuff. That was the greatest job, man. <laughs> I was driving, and every time I stopped at one of the aid stations, man, they was glad to see me. They, oh, <laughs> And they was cooking all this good food, man. They feed me out so fast. <laughs> but I was the man when I pulled up there with that truck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially, were you on the ice delivery or uh, supplies? The supplies up and down the Queen K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I stopped at those aid stations, man. Those families out there, they, they was a, that was a big deal. Families were there, and they were cooking good, good oh, food, yeah. man. They feed me. <laughs> like you ride, you ride motorcycle and stuff, you know. The, oh, yeah. I had a couple of motorcycle groups, uh, clubs, doing aid stations, and they were building dioramas, camp out the night before, great yeah. barbecue. I mean, it was just like, wow. Yeah. And you know, when I come there, I got a good friend that came there that, that I stayed with now. He's from Chicago. Who? Mike Medina. You know Kay Loha, though. Yeah, I yeah. Hey, Lil, I was on the board with you guys on the Iron Man. Oh, yeah. So, Kay Loha's husband, Mike. Oh, okay. Mike is from Chicago. I didn't Mike came down there to do the Iron Man and mess around and met Kay Loha. She was doing Iron Man and stuff, too. And they got hooked up and got married. He stayed. <laughs> you know, because I see, because Kay Loha helps out at my races, too, at the path runs. Yeah. Stuff, and I, I don't think I've, I'm, I'm sure I've met her husband, you know, maybe at the... the he works at the bank. Mike works a lot. He works yeah. a lot. And it's kind of like, oh, I didn't really... I, we've never talked, I mean, for like more than two minutes. Yeah. Know? He's from yep. Chicago, too. Yeah. From right here on the southeast side. Oh. Okay. Mike, you grew up just not too far from me. We, we met at the pier when I came down there to do Iron Man. We just got to talking. And he said he's from Chicago, and we just hooked up just like that. So oh, now, can't... you know, I go to Hawaii. I'm, I'm going to stay with Mike and Kaloha. Let's get yeah. me a ticket. They, uh, um, one, one red light from the airport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and the first race might be actually my race, the uh, path run that we do the week before Ironman. 
if Ironman happens. Uh, we'd have that race. And KLA helps out, uh, helps out at that race. It, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're going to try and do that swim that they started uh, to do where they do a swim the Saturday before Ironman uh, or Sunday before, or no, Saturday before Ironman. They had to change it last year because they couldn't get peer permits and stuff. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, challenging uh, year. But I think I agree with you as far as you got to wait and see what's going on. Yep. And reinvent yourself and be ready for it because, uh, again, some things just not going to come back. Yeah. It's going to be a new world. Yeah. Not only with the racing, but with the, you know, the whole, you know, diversity and all lives matter and everything. And it's, it's going to be all together different. Yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you up too late. I know we got a big, uh, it's like, what, 9 o'clock uh, in your neck of the woods there? Yeah, 12 after now, I go watch the fake news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, taking the time, Bernard. Yeah, it's been fun. I miss, I miss you so much. I miss everybody, but I miss you, you know, just being able to see you and, and talk story. <laughs> We've been trying to do a virtual fist bump uh, on the screen here. So, yeah, there we go. Good enough, yeah. But thank you so much for your time and everything. And thank you for, for everything that you've done for the kids in Chicago and that you do to, you know, it seems like you touch a lot of lives. And, you know, you're an example for everybody, I think. Great, man. So, yeah, this is what keeps me going. Talk yeah. like that. <laughs> and going, we'll, get you, we'll get you racing again, too. We're going to get you out there on the race course. All right. Because uh, you know I come to Hawaii at the drop of a hat. <laughs> okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop recording, but I'm not going to go away. So, again, mahalo nui loa for you being here and having a, an opportunity to be able to talk to you. Big mahalo to Bernard for uh, – being able to be interviewed today is a busy guy, even with the COVID-19 going on and uh, living in Chicago. So I'm glad we had a chance to, to talk story with him and uh, say hello again, say aloha again. Um, great guy, just absolutely, as you can tell by his story and the, the uh, effects that he's had on so many, many people across the uh, whole world, really. So hopefully we'll get Bernard on again, too. I want to set up maybe a, a three-way uh, meeting uh, interview with another person that I have in mind, too. So, again, if you want to help us, you can subscribe to the podcast. You can go to hawaiiultra.com, and you'll see him there. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to iTunes. You can uh, write a review. You can email me at uh, joe at uh, hawaiiultra.com. And uh, we'll put links to uh, the charities that Bernard and I talked about. Uh, certainly his charity um, that he works with, with the tri-clubs and stuff, I think would be an awesome uh, opportunity for people to donate there. So again, thanks to Bernard and thanks for listening and aloha. Aloha.